message, consider Christ. If you have not put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, if you have not seriously considered the claims of the gospel, let me encourage you to listen carefully to the Word of God and allow the Holy Spirit, invite the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Take your Bibles and join me in Acts chapter 16. We'll be looking at verses 6 to 10 here in just a minute. But as we turn there, uh, I just kind of want to relate a little bit of something to you. It was about seven years ago in March that Krista and I started on a six-month journey seeking God's direction concerning the possibility of coming to Berean and serving here in the pastorate. Uh, we prayed, we searched the scriptures, and we sought godly counsel from many of our spiritual mentors. Uh, there were many mileposts along the way where the Lord could have clearly said no, and he didn't. He continued... So we continued to pursue his guidance. God gave us clear instruction from the scriptures concerning each phase of the journey. And while the Lord was directing us, uh, he was also directing the leadership here at Berean so that we and the church came to make a biblical decision together. And we all need guidance when it comes to making biblical decisions and how we're going to glorify the Lord. And our theme this year for the people had a mind to work again. Uh, we're seeking for God's wisdom and God's direction where we need to be serving. And here at Berean Baptist Church, I trust that as you receive the blessing of the fellowship and encouragement of brothers and sisters in Christ, as you receive valuable instruction in your Sunday school classes, as the Spirit of God ministers to you uh, through the preaching of the Word of God and other ministries like the music ministry here, uh, that you would recognize that I have received these things and, and I want to serve God too. And I want to be a blessing to others as others have been a blessing to me. And as you see others faithfully serving God and you see the joy and the fulfillment that they have in serving God, uh, then ask God, Lord, exactly where would you have me to serve? What would you have me to do? And as Isaiah said, here am I, Lord, send me. Make yourself available start on that journey. And we're going to see here in Acts chapter 6, we'll look, or 16, excuse me, in verse 6, the Bible says, now when they had gone, this is Paul and his team, when they had gone through Phrygia to the region of Galatia, they were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia, that is Asia Minor. So they were headed towards Asia Minor. There were several cities along that border from where they were to where they wanted to go. And it just kind of, it was close. It made sense. There's several cities, there's populations. And Paul says, let's go there. And the Holy Spirit said no. And after they were come to Mysia, they essayed to go into Bithynia. But the Spirit of the Holy Spirit suffered or allowed them not. So now they want to go to Bithynia. They wanted to turn, instead of going east, they wanted to head north towards Bithynia. And so Paul is, is wanting to go there with his team. And the Holy Spirit again tells him no. And, verse 8, and at passing by Mysia, came down to Troas. And a vision appeared to, to Paul in the night. Troas was actually, it was a, a harbor. It was a port city. There were many different directions they could go from there. Maybe in Paul's thinking, yes, the Lord does not want me to go to the east. He does not want me to go to the north. So he begins to head southwest. And he comes to the coast, to this city, this harbor city. And uh, there are many directions he could go from there. And he thought, well, maybe that's where God's direction is. Or maybe at Troas, because it is such a traveled through and used area maybe that's where god wants me to go see people saved and then the gospel is going to spread from there the bible does not clearly indicate to us what paul was thinking or what the team was thinking as they made this decision to head to troas but it's where god wanted them to go and in verse 9 a vision appeared to paul in the night 
there stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. So, as we are, as we are seeking God's will uh, in where he would have us to work and to serve him, the first is to faithfully seek out gospel opportunities. Paul and, Bar- and, and Silas continued to minister um, well, Paul and Barnabas, let me back up a little bit. Paul and Barnabas actually continued to minister at the end of their first missionary journey. We studied that a few weeks ago. Um, actually, it was last year because uh, we took a little break from uh, our, our series because of the season. And so they had finished the first missionary journey and they came back to Antioch in Syria. And they don't just stop after they give a report and say, we're done. No, they continued to serve. The Bible says in Acts 15 and verse 35, Paul also and Barnabas continued in Antioch teaching and preaching the word of the Lord with many others also. So when one assignment was done and as the Holy Spirit led them back to, to Antioch in Syria, which is where they'd been sent out of in the first place, they didn't just come back and say, well, now we get to just kind of sit back and let everybody else do the work. We've kind of done our investment in the kingdom of God. No, when they came back, they joined again. Remember, they had been in leadership in the church at Antioch uh, for quite a while uh, before going out on that first missionary journey. They come back and they want to continue to invest and serve with the church that was there at Antioch. But Paul also continued to pursue evangelistic opportunities. Down in verses 40 and 41 of Acts 15, the Bible says, And Paul chose Silas and departed, being recommended by the brethren under the grace of God. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, confirming the churches. So this is the second missionary journey. And the primary purpose was to go back and to see how the leadership, because at the end of the first missionary journey, as they then reverse course and come back, they stopped through to every one of the churches that had been established, and they appointed elders, and they were seeing how the elders were doing, the pastors of those churches, and how the church was doing, and, but it was very brief as they're continuing to head back to Antioch and Syria. So now, uh, Paul takes with him Silas and says, let's go back and let's check out these churches and let's confirm them. Uh, let's make sure that they are, that they are being, uh, continuing to be faithful to the word of God, that they're, they're continuing to grow and fulfill the work of the ministry, and let's help them in that. And the Bible records that they did that. They not only went back and encouraged the spiritual leadership and the people of the churches and saw how they were doing and exhorted them, but they also rolled up their sleeves and got involved in the work in those ministries and they went through those cities. Now, in Acts chapter 16, we're coming to where they've come to the end of that second missionary journey. And, you know, they could have just stopped. The team could have stopped then and said, okay, we're kind of done ministering. But Paul and his team did not do that. The Bible says in, in, in Acts chapter uh, 16 and verse 5, and so the churches were established in the faith and increased in number daily. So the thing that they had set about to do was accomplished. Stop and think about this. You know, Paul and Silas, um, they had, or Paul and Barnabas, had gone up to the church in Antioch. Remember when the church of Jerusalem heard that people were being saved, men of Cyrus and Cilicia were going over to Antioch and Syria, and there they were evangelizing, and Gentiles were being saved. Man, that was kind of mind-blowing to the Jewish church, even though Cornelius and some of those Gentiles had been saved back Acts chapter 10. Still, they thought that was rather an anomaly, even though it was very clearly taught. And, and Peter gave clear testimony. No, the gen, gospel's for all the Gentiles as well. It's not just for the Jews. 
And so, but still in the minds of some of the Jewish believers, it was still, well, this is more of an exception rather than the rule. I think they just didn't expect a lot of Gentiles to be saved and expected more Jews to turn to Christ. And that, of course, as we know from history, is not what happened. Anyway, so, that, so Paul, and Silas, uh, Paul and Barnabas go, uh, Paul goes up, or Barnabas, excuse me, goes up there and he's encouraged as he sees the grace of God he, and he begins to teach and to encourage the people and to equip them and to serve. The church keeps growing. Remember that Antioch in Syria was the fourth largest city in the whole Roman Empire. And so he needs help. So he remembers, hey, you know what? Paul has a calling of God to be the apostle of the Gentiles, goes back to Tarsus, finds Paul, and brings him, recruits him, and there they are the leadership of the church, and they're training leadership in the church, and the church is growing. It's an exciting time, and then the Spirit of God moves them and leads them and the rest of the church leadership to send Paul and Barnabas out, and so they go to Cyprus, and they travel through Cyprus, and then, of course, they go up to some of these cities, and we've already looked through that, so I won't review the whole map on that. And then they come back through, they confirm all those. Then they go on the second missionary journey and they go. And the purpose here we see in Acts 16 and verse 5 has been fulfilled. And they could have said, hey, look at all these churches we've seen established. And now leadership is being trained and they're still reaching people with the gospel. And they're still discipling and these churches are getting strengthened. And they kind of can run themselves. We don't need to go back through anymore. It's time for us to retire from this. That's not what they say. And this is what we see, picking it up in verse 6. Paul essayed, he tried, he wanted to go. Paul knew something that we should always keep in mind. The end of the journey is not the end of ministry. So what do you mean? Well, Lord willing, many of us will serve in VBS this summer. Some may serve at a Christian camp for the summer or go on a missions trip. But we should never think, I did my ministry tour of duty so now let somebody else serve. If the Lord hasn't taken you home to heaven yet, it's because your ministry is not at its end. And even though part of a journey of ministry may be coming to its end, it's not the same as it's the end of your ministry. It's just the journey is over. You need to continue to look for the next thing God would have you to do. Hey, it may what your ministry may look like may change as you age as time goes by and circumstances change but there is always something for us to do to serve the lord your gospel ministry doesn't have to look the same as paul's or anyone else's but how should it look well colossians chapter 4 verses 2 to 6 give us some indication that what should our what should our ministry always look like even if it changes what are the things that should be constants and here they are, continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving, with all praying also for us, that God would open a door unto us, a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ. Paul's writing to the Colossians, he's actively involving in ministry, and he's looking ahead to more ministry, even in this passage. And then he says this, uh, for which I'm also in bonds that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak, and then walk in wisdom toward them that are without Redeeming the time, let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that ye may know how you ought to answer every man. So we need to pray daily. Here's what our, our life and ministry as Christians needs to look like. We need to be praying daily for gospel opportunities. Um, I, I mentioned this in the past, that I pray that every day for myself. Lord, I don't know whether or not I'll have a gospel opportunity today, but I'm going to ask you that you would give me one. And should you, Lord, help me to recognize it and then help me to have the boldness and the compassion of Christ to share the gospel, whether it's a witness, a testimony, a gospel tract, have a word of prayer with somebody in which I pray 
the gospel in that prayer for them. Whatever it is, Lord, would you do that? But I'm challenging you as well, not only to pray for me, but to pray for yourselves and to be asking God to give you everyday gospel opportunities. And then to live out the transformation of the gospel towards unbelievers in daily living. Uh, There's a lady in our church, and I'm not going to point her out and don't ask me because I ain't going to tell you, okay? But there's a lady in our church who was walking in walks in her neighborhood, I'm assuming for exercise, um, but walks through the neighborhood. And there were other ladies in the neighborhood that were doing the same. And so they would, you know, the little casual, hey, how you doing? Or isn't it beautiful weather out today? And that sort of a thing. And then it kind of, there were times when she was able to join another lady or a couple of ladies and walk and talk. And then it came to the point where in praying, God, would you open up maybe some gospel opportunities to share the gospels with gospel with these ladies? She was able and God opened it up to she could engage people in gospel conversations. And then it got to that point where uh, she prayed and planned and invited and had some of these ladies that she had met in her neighborhood just out walking, just started with just a casual kindness and just kind of showing the love of Christ and showing an interest for people and asking them questions and, and listening to them and then talking about spiritual things as they would come up as God gave opportunity, being faithful in those things. Then she stepped out by faith and invited them to do a Bible study, a one month Bible study where she could share the gospel. And she had the privilege of of leading that Bible study, and she still has connections with some of those ladies. And I'm still praying that God would save some of those ladies and that we would see them come and be a part of our church family and see God grow them and we could invest in them and see what God would do. But that's just walking in wisdom towards them that are without. In other words, who, are, who is the without? Those who are outside the family of God, those who have not yet put their faith in Jesus Christ. So we walk in wisdom, and in that wisdom, we're asking God for discernment. How can I show the love of Christ? How can I, how can I identify an opportunity, a gospel opportunity and then take advantage of that? And Lord, would you lead me by your Holy Spirit, and would you strengthen me in that? So the first thing that we need to do is faithfully seek out gospel opportunities. The second is to humbly submit to God's sovereignty. Let's go back and review verses 6 to 8. Would you with me? Now, when they had gone through uh, throughout Phrygia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. When they were come to Mysia, they essayed to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not. And passing by Mysia, came down to Troas. Is it a good thing to want to preach the gospel and see a church established in a new city where the gospel had never been? Absolutely. Had God allowed Paul to do that previously? Yes. Had Paul and Silas, or Paul and Barnabas, I think on the first missionary journey, they kind of strategized. Remember that Barnabas was from the island of Cyprus. And so he said, hey, let's go. There's this port that's just 17 miles from Antioch. Let's go down to that port. And then it's just a day sailing to get over to Cyprus. And let's start there. And then we'll go north and we'll sail up to the mainland and we'll go up that way. And there's some cities we can hit. And the Lord allowed them to do that. And and the idea that they had and the burden that they had, God allowed them to fulfill that. Even the second missionary journey, they were approved of the Holy Spirit to go back through and to strengthen and establish those churches and and join with them in the work of ministry. And and God allowed them to do that. Now, here Paul's like saying, hot dog, all right, let's go into Asia Minor. There's a bunch of cities right up along here. uh, And let's get the gospel there. And the Holy Spirit says, no. Don't think he was used to that. In his ministry. What? But it's a good thing. I want to give him the gospel. God says, no, you're not the man at this time to go there right now. 
I got a different plan for you. And Paul didn't pout and say, I'm just going to take my toys and go home. He said, okay, Lord, well then, if we're not supposed to go east, let's try for north. I don't know where God wants me to go, but I'm going to be actively seeking it. But he submitted to the sovereignty of God. Then he wanted to go into Bithynia. By the way, Peter mentions preaching in Bithynia. God used Peter to reach Bithynia and Asia Minor. That was part of God's strategy. And God was going to open up the entire continent of Europe for Paul and Silas to preach the gospel. This is a whole new field of gospel ministry that God was going to give them the privilege to explore. They didn't know that at that time. So Paul says, well, let's go up to Bithynia. Holy Spirit says, nope. Two no's in a row. I wonder how much soul searching Paul must have been doing. Lord, is there some sin in my life? You know, I mean, because, and by the way, I want to talk in a little bit about how the Holy Spirit communicates with us. Because I think there can be confusion even in solid doctrinal churches like ours where personally we can be a little bit shaky in our understanding and how the Spirit speaks to us today. And I'll address that in just a little bit. But he humbly submitted to God's sovereignty. And when God said no, then he said, all right, then let's go southwest. Let's go down to this port. That seems to make sense. We'll go down to Troas and we'll just wait until God tells us where he wants us to go. But you know that uh, David Livingston wanted to go to China? And God sent him where? Africa. William Carey wanted to go to Polynesia, but God sent him to India. Adoniram Judson went to India, and God took him to Burma. God guides us along the way to just the right place. And even within a place like Berean Baptist Church, there are many ministry opportunities and ways that you can serve, in, not only in Berean and to the folks of Berean, but in our community, to our community, as Berean seeks to reach out and even with other like-minded churches work together for the sake of the gospel to build God's kingdom in our area, which is a section of the wall of the greater Atlanta area, which is a section of the wall of God's kingdom. Twice the Lord had said no to their plans. When the Bible says that they were forbidden, it's an interesting word in Acts 27, 42 and 43. Later on, when uh, the people, the, the soldiers were afraid that Paul and the other prisoners might escape the ship. The Bible says the soldiers' counsel was to kill the prisoners lest any of them should swim out and escape. But the centurion, willing to save Paul, kept them from their purpose. That's the same word as is used here, forbidden. So God, Paul had a great purpose. Paul wanted to do it, but God withheld that purpose from him. God did not allow him. God, in that sense, forbid. Uh, he kept them from that purpose. And then the Lord would not let them go into Asia Minor. He suffered them not. In Luke 4 and verse 41, the Bible says, And the devils or demons came out of many, crying out and saying, Thou art the Christ, the Son of God. And he, rebuking them, suffered them not to speak, for they knew who he was. So he did not allow them to speak. God was not going to receive glory through demons, nor be discredited by blasphemous, false acknowledgement. Of Jesus as God though Jesus is God the demons were blasphemous and so Jesus was not going to accept that he forbade them and that's the same word here that he forbade them now I want to talk a little bit just for a minute on how the Holy Spirit leads us 
Because a lot of times, if circumstances happen to seem like it's a no, we tend to think that it's probably providential. For instance, let, let, me, let me, one way or the other, sometimes we look at circumstances or different things and say, oh, that must be the Lord. I went to college with a guy who's my roommate, and uh, he had a passion to go to Brazil to be a missionary. Okay? And so, what are the colors of the Brazilian flag? What are the national colors? Green and yellow. So a lot of times, he loved to wear green and yellow because they had such a heart for Brazil. Well, he was interested, and he told me he was interested in a missionary's daughter whose family were missionaries in Brazil. And he came back to the room one afternoon, all excited, and he said, Todd, guess what? I said, what? He said, I saw her, and, and we were passing each other, and guess what? I was wearing green and yellow, and guess what she was wearing? Green and yellow! And I said to her, I want to date you. I want to marry you because I want to go to Brazil and be a missionary. I'm wearing green and yellow. I have a passion for Brazil. You're wearing green and yellow. You have a passion for Brazil. It must be God wants us to get married and serve together in Brazil. And all God's people said, yeah, right. That's what she said to him. Now, is it wrong to get to know somebody who has a similar ministry passion? To serve God together as a team and serve the Lord in ministry? Absolutely not. And God has brought couples together that way. Because of the missional purpose of wanting to glorify God and to serve Him as a team, whether that's on a mission field or whether that's raising a godly family and being salt and light in a community and being a blessing to a church. All right? But when we begin to look at circumstances and saying, well, you know, and, and don't we sometimes say, well, the Lord shut the door? We need to be careful about that, okay? Um, God does sometimes say no. Now, how did the Holy Spirit speak or communicate up to this point in the book of Acts? How did the Holy Spirit communicate his will to the apostles? It was not through feelings, promptings, impressions, or circumstances. Listen to Acts chapter 8, verses 26, and then verse 29. And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip... He spoke in words that Philip heard with his ears, saying, Arise, and go toward the south, unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. Then the Spirit said unto Philip, that's a couple verses later, Go near, and join thyself unto the chariot. This word, spake, means to see, said it with words that could be heard. Though we know it was supernatural communication. In, in Acts chapter 13 and verse 2, the Bible says, And as they ministered unto the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said separate me Paul uh, Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I have called them I am convinced that this was audible speech now do we hear the Holy Spirit speak audibly to us like I'm speaking audibly to you and you're hearing my voice does the Holy Spirit speak to us like that today no okay how does the Holy Spirit speak to us through the scriptures and as I read the scriptures as I memorize the scriptures, as I meditate upon the scriptures, as I saturate myself with the word of God, as I am following the leading and, and, and I'm submitting to and desiring to be taught of the Holy Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit is the one. Holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Peter says that in the context of the inspiration of the scriptures. So the Holy Spirit is the one who spoke directly to the human authors 
giving them that supernatural, word-for-word, inspired revelation, which they then copied down. They weren't robots. God used their personalities. God used them. But God, God prevented them from any error, and God had them say exactly the truth in those original manuscripts, exactly word-for-word what he wanted them to write down and can be communicated for us. Now that we have the completed scriptures, the Holy Spirit speaks to us through the Word of God. That is our primary source of guidance. You say, well, what do you mean then? What, what would be another source of guidance? Godly, biblical counsel from Spirit-filled Christians. Uh, I have godly mentors to whom I go for counsel not just about logistical decisions when it comes to administrating the ministry here, but in my own life personally about certain spiritual matters and in other areas of ministry within the church or with missions, I seek godly counsel as I also seek and search the scriptures and I pray and ask, I ask God to guide me, okay? And by the way, it's not this kind of circumstantial, all right, Lord, I need for you to guide me according to your word, so... Oh, I said, surely thou wilt fear me, thou wilt receive instruction, so their dwelling should not be cut off. It, I just pointed at random, oh, let my Bible fall, open at random, put my finger on a verse. Now I'm going to read that verse. I'm going to try to put some sort of a spin on it for God's guidance that applies to the exact situation. No, folks, it is through the systematic study and understanding of the scriptures, taking it within the context. And sometimes when we don't know where to go in the scriptures to find that, we need to go to somebody that has that a pastor, somebody like, like Pastor Sweat, who has studied the word and walked with the Lord for many years. Or whether it's one of our other pastors, or whether it's somebody that's been a spiritual mentor and discipler to you in your life, that you say, this person knows and loves the Lord. They're not just going to go based on their experience or their knowledge. They're going to give me a biblical answer. They can help set me in the right direction. They probably faced a similar circumstance and would give me counsel how to proceed but I'm going to rely upon the Spirit of God leading me according to the Scriptures. And ultimately, the Bible is what we rely upon for our guidance. You say, well, I had a vision, or I had this impression, or I had this dream. Let me caution you. Finish this verse with me if you know it. For even Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. And so when, when we begin to entrust in impressions or think that the Holy Spirit is speaking to us some extra biblical revelation, we could even be opening ourselves up for some misdirection by the enemy. We need to make sure that everything, even if we believe the Spirit of God is speaking to us in our spirit, you will know that it's true because it will be scriptural. So know the scriptures to have God's guidance. Now that we have the completed scriptures and the church is established, I believe the Spirit speaks through the word of God, not with an audible voice. Paul has a plan. God says no. Paul changes his plan. God says no. Paul doesn't quit. What do you do when you have a specific ministry burden and it never happens? Do you quit? 
No, here's what we need to do. We need to submit and don't quit. We say, okay, Lord, I'm going to keep serving you. I'm just your servant. You have the right to put me where you want to change my plans. Uh, give me a new vision and passion and burden for a specific ministry. According to your word, direct me. Then also through godly biblical counsel, direct me to where you would have me to go. And if you've said no, and I know it's no, and I'm not going to get to go back there, or at least may not get to go back there for a very long time, it's okay, Lord. I'm not going to quit. I'm going to submit and not quit. I am going to obey. I'm going to serve you. I'm making myself available to you. And then third, obediently engage in gospel ministry. Look at verses 9 and 10. Uh, Acts chapter 16, verse 9. And the vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him. Look at this next word. What is it? Saying. Again, it's God through this vision of the Macedonian man speaking to Paul. He did not mistake it. It was not an impression. It was not just a desire or a burden or a prompting. We need to be very careful about that word. But it was God saying to him through this vision, come over into Macedonia and help us. Look at this verse 10. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we, okay, um, many authors say, and I believe they're right as they comment on this passage, that this is, uh, Luke is also referring to himself. Dr. Luke joins them at Troas. It could also be, and here's an interesting little side note. It could also be that the reason why God did not allow them to go into Asia Minor, Minor to the east or to Bithynia to the north is because God was going to meet them up with Luke at Troas because that's where it looks like Dr. Luke joins the team is at Troas. And of course, we know that the Apostle Paul had uh, physical ailments and infirmities. And so uh, not only was uh, Luke a, a very uh, a skilled physician, but he was a spirit-filled, committed Christian who God used to write two of our books in the New Testament, that two-part series, Luke and Acts. And Luke joins this team here. And again, God puts us in the right place at the right time, joins us with the right people to form together the right team to accomplish that mission. And then sometimes God moves us on to another team and another mission. But Paul was obedient to engage in gospel ministry. He was given the supernatural revelation through a vision. We do see that that is a consistent pattern. You see it in Acts chapters 9, 10, and 11. But you need to remember this. Paul was an apostle. There are no capital A apostles today. Apostles were those who had seen Christ, who were chosen specifically by Christ to be his apostles. They received divine revelation. Some, most of it written in the scripture and leading. Only in heaven will we know um, the rest of whatever divine uh, whatever divine revelation God may have given to them in their personal direction. So don't interpret dreams as being special revelation, okay? Because God speaks through his word by his Holy Spirit. Now, when you look at this, it says assuredly gathering. We assuredly gathering the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. You see that this is a team thing. See, here's what I believe happens. I believe that, that they came together. The team comes together now for a group discussion. Paul says, God gave me this vision. And he said to me, there's this Macedonian man saying, come over into Macedonia and help us. So they have this discussion. Well, then 
how do we go about this? When do we go? You know, let's discuss this. Is this really, you know, Paul, what did you have for supper? Did you have some sauerkraut that went bad and you think you had a vision, but you didn't really kind of confirm that you know that this was the spirit of God speaking to you? Is this similar to how God spoke to you before and even in the visions? Yes, that is all in accordance. That all lines up. Yes. And they're having this discussion together. This conversation would have engaged uh, Silas uh, and Timothy and Luke at least. But the team didn't hesitate to obey when positive guidance was given to them by God. Okay? So, the Bible says that when Paul received this vision, he goes to the team and he says, Guys, listen, I had this vision. Man from Macedonia calling out saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. It was further west. It was across the sea. And the guys, and Silas and, and Luke and Timothy said, well, that, this has got to be from the Lord. I mean, the Holy Spirit has already spoken to you twice and said, no, don't go there. No, don't go there. And, and, and when he's saying, come over into Macedonia, let's go. But they didn't hesitate. They didn't say, what? That doesn't make sense. They said, that's where God wants us to go. And God's going to bless us when we get there. Folks, let me tell you something. When we look at Acts chapter 16, and some of you know the story, what happened to Paul and Silas when they went to Philippi, which was the chief city of Macedonia? Were they well received? And as they're sitting in a jail at midnight, being falsely accused, publicly humiliated, and beaten, they were able to sing praises unto God and pray. Why? They knew they were where God wanted them, when he wanted them there, doing what he wanted them to do. And they had absolute assurance. They didn't say, well, if only we would have gone up into Bithynia. If only we would have chosen to go into Asia Minor. We wouldn't be in this fix. No. They said, hey, this is what God has, and God's going to do something through this. And folks, when you realize, according to the Word of God and biblical counsel, and it is assured in your heart, then you just need to choose to say, okay, Lord, by faith, I'm going to step out right now, and I'm going to start obeying. I'm not going to make excuses. I don't have to know all the logistical details. I'm just going to step out by faith and go that direction and follow your leading. So how do I pursue sharing the gospel or gospel ministry? Number one, by seeking spiritual guidance, not extra biblical revelation. Now that we have the complete scripture, I don't believe that the Holy Spirit speaks audibly to us. Nor does he reveal special revelation through dreams. God has revealed his word through the scriptures. And if you think he's spoken to you in an audible voice, if you think that God has spoken to you through a dream, go back and compare it with the scriptures and rely on the scriptures as your sole and final authority for doctrine and practice. That is what you do and how you follow God's will. Consider circumstances, but don't consider them vehicles of special revelation. Make a biblical, wise decision. Pursue the ministry you're burdened for and talk about it with other believers and seek godly counsel. Your plans may fail, but don't quit. Try something else. And then focus on God and submit to God's word. Never contradict the scriptures. Jesus said in Luke and unless you repent, you shall all likewise perish. Luke 13, 3. But then he called sinners to repent of their sin and their unbelief 
and to put their faith in him as their savior. And so don't contradict the scriptures this morning, my friend. The Spirit of God, through the Word of God, has revealed to you and you know that you have sinned against God and are condemned in your sin to eternal death, which God, who is just and righteous, must do according to be consistent to his holy character. But recognize he has also love and mercy and grace and sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross to shed his blood for your sin, that Jesus willingly did that paid the price, suffered the wrath of God for your sin, died, was buried, and then being God, conquered death and resurrected himself from the dead and is the living, eternal Son of God and then call to him by faith and receive eternal life. Brothers and sisters in Christ, those of you of Berean Baptist Church, uh, even as last week I was sharing our vision for ministry and maybe through this week you've been prayerfully considering, okay, God, where do you want me to go? Let me encourage you like Paul. Don't just sit there in the easy chair waiting for God to give you some special divine revelation, have some impression, then start with something. Say, listen, I'm going to get to church. I'm going to at least ask a pastor, hey, where can I serve? Or where do you think I can serve? Uh, and then start talking through that and then searching the scriptures and then getting start pursuing a ministry. And if that's, that opportunity is not available to you because the Lord has said no, then you move to something else. And you don't quit. You keep submitting to the divine sovereignty of God. And you're obedient to engage in gospel ministry. And you pursue sharing the gospel and serving God. And so let me encourage you for this guidance. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for the guidance through your word and godly counsel that you've given to Krista and I over the years concerning so many different things. And Lord, we want our lives to please you and to glorify you. We want to be used to you in a way that matters for eternity. And I know that many of my brothers and sisters in Christ hear that is their heart as well. And I pray that you would encourage them to seek after, to pursue gospel ministry. And that when you say no, they will submit humbly to your sovereign will. That they will continue to pursue. And that when you give them that clear direction, that they will immediately, without hesitation, begin to obey. And that you would equip them to continue to pursue gospel ministry. For those who've not responded to the gospel, the good news that Jesus Christ died on the cross and paid the price that we could never pay, that we might receive eternal life that we could never earn, and he will give it to us as a gift if we will ask for it by faith. Father, for those who have not yet received that good news personally, may this be the day when they repent of their sins and turn to faith in Jesus Christ. Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed. I will not have a, uh, an, in, uh, a responsive invitation as in getting up and going somewhere um, for counsel. But if you don't know for sure where your soul would spend eternity, in the quiet time of this invitation, in just a moment as our pianist plays, would you just pray something like this and say, God, I'm concerned about my soul. I want to know how I can be right with you. Please, God, take your word and show me your truth so I can understand it and accept your gift of eternal life. Lord, give me courage even to talk to somebody so I can get that help. As a believer, you know how the Spirit of God has been speaking to you according to the Word. Please respond today. And maybe it is that some of you say, I've been searching the Scriptures. I'm still not certain. Um, I haven't yet sought some biblical counsel. 
then would you make that commitment today and then seek out that counsel for somebody, from somebody that you can uh, trust will help you biblically. All right, as our pianist begins to play, would you just silently, right where you are, pray. Respond to the Lord right now. <laughs> 